Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you're a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, growing abundantly, and if you want to improve your overall life. My name is Jay Phantom, and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people of every profession all over the world. I'm grateful that you're here today. Let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Welcome everyone back to another exciting episode of the Storybox podcast. Hope you guys are staying safe and keeping well out there. My friends, I'm going to ask you two quick questions that you need to think about while I rant about rant and rave about my next guest, who is an absolute awesome human being, and I think you're going to love her story and her message. But the first question is, are you currently judging yourself in the wrong way? And second question is, do you want to become a professional troublemaker? Because my next guest is none other than Lovey Ajayi Jones. Now, for those of you that don't know Lovey and her work, she is not only a New York Times bestselling author of her book, I'm Judging You, The Do Better Manual. She's also a sought-after speaker and podcast host who thrives at the intersection of comedy, technology, and justice. She has an awesome story and literally an awesome message for you guys. And the second question that I asked you, we talk about on this episode, how we can go about fighting fear. So her second book, Professional Troublemaker, is the Fear Fighter Manual, and it's released right now. So you can go and get your copy right now. It's all, the the links will be in the show notes below. But after this conversation, I guarantee you, you're going to want to know more. So go and get her book after you've listened to this conversation. But for those of you that also want to know more about Lovey, she's a 17-year blogging veteran. She writes at awesomelovey.com, covering all things culture with a critical yet humorous lens. I can second that. She is quite funny, uh, very uh, outspoken about a lot of things, which is, uh, I guess you could say that's a bit unheard of uh, these days, but she does it in such a way that brings everything together so you can all really, I guess, come up with your own opinions and, and beliefs about what she says. But Lovey's work as a cultural uh, critic and activist has brought her much acclaim. She was selected as part of Oprah Winfrey's inaugural Super Soul 100 list as someone who elevates humanity. She's an internationally recognized speaker 
with a highly popular TED Talk, Get Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable, which we also do talk about on this episode, which has over 4.8 million views and has been transcribed into 22 different languages. She has appeared on stages all over the world, including Barbados, France, Ireland, Czech Republic, the Netherlands, Kenya, South Africa, just to name a few of them. She's also been featured uh, speaker at the noted conferences such as Cairns, Lions, South by Southwest, uh, Leadercast, 3% Conference, Makers Conference, and Lovey has also spoken at some of the world's most famous and innovative and disruptive brands such as Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Twitter, Spotify, Nike, Bank of America, uh, Deloitte, and Cliff Bar. Now, honestly, guys, I think you're going to really, really enjoy this conversation, so I won't uh, speak anymore. I want you guys to sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation. Before we dive into the story box, I have a huge favor to ask each and every one of you. Uh, please, please, if you do get something from this, share it around. I really believe that this episode, especially revolving around fear and how we can manage it and control it and become better, uh, I guess you could say troublemakers when it comes to uh, looking at fear. I really believe this episode is for a lot of people out there. It can really be for everyone. Uh, to be honest with you, because we all struggle with fear. So please share it around to your friends and your family. Let them know about this. Uh, all the links are in the show notes, so you can make sure to use those. And please, please leave a five-star rating and review if you believe this is a five-star uh, worthy show. I'm always grateful that uh, when I see the reviews of people that have been helped, it goes a long way. So thank you guys so much for doing that in advance. Anyway, guys, it is time to become professional troublemakers to dive into the story box right now to get uncomfortable with being comfortable and hear the amazing story of the none other professional troublemaker herself that is never judging anyone but herself. I'm just kidding. She's not doing that. But anyway, lovey Ajayi Jones. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. I've been looking forward to this conversation now for quite some time. Um, before we dive into your amazing backstory and everything that you're doing, I have one question that I love asking all my guests at the start, which is, what does success look like to you? Ooh, that's good. I think for me, success looks like living life on my own terms. Mm. Whatever that is. Being successful means I can wake up every day and decide what I want my day to look like. When did you come up with your version of success, that it was actually waking up and doing the things that you want to do? Has it been this gradual thing over time or was there a catalyst moment that one day you just woke up and like, that's it? Yeah, I think, um, I think I got it probably five, six years ago. I realized that my life was a success because I woke up and enjoyed doing the thing that I was doing. You know, I think, for me, it's less tied to the money I'm making, although money gives you the freedom to make certain decisions, of course. Um, but being able to wake up and know that I'm living authentically in my purpose is something that made me feel successful. Mm, I like that. So going back a little bit to how you got started doing all this stuff and the things that you love doing, awesome, lovey, and everything like that, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a doctor. Growing up, I wanted to be a doctor. I thought I was going to be a pediatrician because I wanted to help the world. And I figured that was the best way for me to do it. Mm. But then I got a D in chemistry my freshman year of college. And I was like, ooh, I don't even like hospitals. So you know what? Let's kill the doctor dream. 
Um, <laughs> I was like, I would be the worst doctor ever because I don't like blood. And, mm. No, I'm miserable. But that semester when I quit uh, my pre-med major, I ended up starting my blog, my first blog. And it's in there. I like covered, you know, exams I wasn't studying for, roommate drama, undergrad life and all the randomness that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I basically um, fell in love with writing outside the classroom mm-hmm. and I didn't stop. So when I graduated in 2006, I start, I deleted my undergrad blog and started awesomelylovey.com and talked about the world as I saw it. TV, racism, politics, feminism, shenanigans, whatever randomness I felt like talking about that day. Mm-hmm. And um, people kept on reading it and the blog took on this life of its own. And here we are, like, you know, people really felt connected to my writing because they felt like I was the person who was saying what they were thinking, but they dared not to say. Mm. I was the person who was ultimately (laughs) kind of like the voice in your head that you might not say out loud. You know, I made people laugh because I always infuse humor in anything I'm talking about, whether serious or not, you're probably going to laugh at something I said. And I connected to people on a real level because I don't write at you. I write to you. Mm. So a lot of people were saying that like they felt like I was their best friend in their head or that they will hear my voice as they're reading my words. Mm. So over the years, my blog got bigger and bigger until I couldn't deny anymore that I was a writer for real and that my purpose was to use my words to move people in a great way. And yeah, so I wrote book one, I'm judging you. Um, and it came out in 2016, instantly changed my life because it hit number five on the New York times list. Wow. I ended up doing a Ted talk in November, 2017 that now has 5 million views that also changed my life. All of those things then led to me writing my next book, professional troublemaker, the fear fighter manual, which comes out March 2nd, 2021. And it is my best work to date. It is like all the lessons that I've learned as a writer all these years, as a person, right? A flawed person and how my journey to become this person, the the person who's invited to come on your podcast um, is really because I've continuously done the things that scared me over and over again, quitting my pre-med major, you know, deleting my old blog and starting a new one, getting laid off my job when I was in marketing in April, 2010 and having to figure out what to do. And I had this blog, I didn't know anything to do. uh, I didn't know what to do with. And um, yeah, just writing out loud all these years and writing my truth out in public. So yeah, that is the cliff notes version of, my journey. I have got so many questions is coming from that. Like my brain is spinning on which ones I ask you first, (laughs) but I think everything that you have been doing takes a lot of courage to speak your voice, Mm. speak your opinion, whatever it is, because people are always going to have their judgment. They're going to have their own two bits worth when it comes to the kind of content that you're putting out there into the world. So I'm curious, um, how have you been able to manage fear of what other people say and what advice would you give to a young person at the moment or, or just anyone really 
that is struggling with that sort of fear of they're wanting to do something, they want to take that step forward, yeah. they, they can't? That's a great question. I think um, fear fighting is really a commitment, right? You don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be brave from now on. Mm-hmm. You have a chance to be brave every single day with the different decisions that you make. So it changes Whenever you decide to do something courageous, the next time you have an option to do something courageous, you might not. So when you're feeling scared about something, I think it's important to know and name the fear. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Why don't you want to apply for that job that feels too big? Why don't you want to say that thing in that room with those people? You know, why don't you want to have that tough conversation? What is the actual thing you're afraid of? Are you afraid of, you know, somebody, um, thinking you're difficult? Are you afraid of losing that job? Are you afraid of, you know, failing and falling on your face? Name the fear, understand that it's going to be there. I think what's really important about fear is that people got to understand that it is the most, it's one of the most natural feelings. It is an emotion that we all have and we have it because it keeps us safe from jumping off a cliff, right? Without a parachute. It keeps us from putting our hands in burning water. It keeps us from not hitting ourselves in the face with a mallet. (laughs) Mm. That's what fear is for. But what we do is we take that same fear that keeps us from jumping off a cliff and we now apply it to everyday things like speaking up in a room, you know, and saying the thing that nobody else is saying. I think what you have to understand is what is the thing that you're afraid of doing or saying? And if you don't do it, are you opting out of your best case scenario because you're afraid of the worst case scenario? Oftentimes that's what's happening. You know, you might be afraid of speaking up in the room because you're like, I don't want to rock the boat or disrupt the harmony in the room. Okay. So what happens if you disrupt the harmony? Mm. Do you get kicked out the room? If you're afraid of that, that's natural. But is that fear justifiable to stop you from doing it because if the thing that you have to say is really important and could shift the room in a major way that's for everybody's greater good then you not saying it is to say no to the best thing happening so you just have to know that okay i'm afraid i know i'm petrified i'm not sure if this is the right thing for me to do i don't know how it's going to land but you know what it is important enough that i feel compelled to do it and i'm just going to do it and let it land, however it does, and just do it. You know, it's like jumping into cold water, into the deep end on the pool. If you dip your toe in just a little bit, it doesn't make it less cold. <laughs> you might as well just jump in and then your body gets used to it. That is what, what truth telling is like. That's what, you know, fear fighting is like. You're gonna have to jump in deep ends, things that you're just not sure where the bottom is. But clearly something in your heart, something in your spirit is telling you that you should do this thing. And I encourage you to do it. You know, everyone's always looking for it to be easy. You know, you're thinking, ah, if I'm afraid of it, that's probably means I shouldn't do it. No, no. If you're afraid of it, you should probably do it unless it's you putting your hand in fire. Then don't do that. But everything is not you putting your hand in fire. So I need your courage, even though you will be scared. And that's actually when you are courageous. It's when you are scared and you still do it anyway. That is what it means to be courageous. I have to second that. Like, it's also putting that fear into perspective and saying, look, this is either going to do me like my body physical harm or my brain 
mental harm? Like what's the difference and, and putting that yeah. in perspective. And ultimately, like I think for me and what I've learned about like fear and failure and everything like that, in failure, you learn humility. You learn that mm. you're not infallible. You're not any better than anybody else. Yes. And the amazing thing is like even speaking to some pretty incredible people on, on this show, at first I was scared. At first I was nervous. At first I was like, I don't want to speak to anybody. <laughs> but then when I faced it, something amazing happened. It was okay. And if I made a mistake, yes. it was okay. I forgave myself. They forgave me. It was all right. Let's move on. <laughs> and I'm exactly. like, exactly. this is incredible. And I also exactly. want to second this. My grandfather used to tell me, he's like, so Jay, if you don't ask, you don't get. So don't yes. be afraid to ask. Yes. A no will not kill you. No. We're so afraid of no, as if a no will somehow just be the reason you fall out. Mm. A no will not, not kill you. If the worst thing somebody can do is just say no, you're fine. Okay. I think we should just be, we should be less afraid of hearing no. A lot of times what we're afraid of is just no. <laughs> is the simple no. And I'm always like, okay, so if you get the no, what happens? Oh my God, I'll be so embarrassed. Okay, and then what actually happens? Mm. Put your fears into perspective. When we don't name it, when it's just sitting in our head, it feels much bigger than it actually is. You know, when you finally, I, I like to put my fears on paper. That's why I wrote this book. Because I'm like, if I put it on paper, I see it in black and white, it gives me the perspective that this thing is not the end all be all. It is not all consuming. Mm. Yes, if I get embarrassed in the moment, that is a temporary emotion. I'll be fine. I'm not physically in danger. I am not gonna be broken because of the no. And honestly, expect the no, <laughs> hope for a yes. Yeah. Right? So go in being like, you know what? They might say no. But then be hopeful and be like, you know what? But they might surprise me and say yes. Mm. So if you expect the no, you temper your disappointment a little bit. Even that though, I still think it's still a crutch that we use. Why always expect no? No. I will ask knowing that there's a good chance I will get yes. Mm. And then if I get a no, I say, okay, I'll just either ask a different way or ask somebody else. Mm. That's what I've learned doing this. I get no all the time. It's okay. Still move forward. Exactly. We get no all the time. Because I, I host a podcast too. You know, we, when I'm sending out invitations, I know somebody might be too busy. I know their schedule might not work for mine. And hearing their no of, ah, I'm not doing that right now. Cool. That means I can reach it back out in six months. Great. Mm -hmm. So we also shouldn't see no as this like hard titanium wall. Sometimes it's no, not now. Sometimes it's no, this is not the right thing. Sometimes it is a no, I don't want it at all. But yeah. other times it's just like, it's a soft no. Everything is not a hard no. That's like, oh my God, they punched me in the face with their words. No. Don't take no. it personally. That's exactly. Right. And like, honestly, if they, it, for me, it's a matter of when, not if. Like, I, I put that into perspective. Like, even, even if it's something that I, someone that I really, really, really want on this show, and I know that I'm not big enough. I know I'm not a celebrity. I know I don't have that, that appeal to people. I know that one day, one day, it may not be in the next six months or whatever. I know, but one day if I am persistent 
then I will eventually get that yes. But you're going to have to take a couple of no's in the process. <laughs> it's okay. Um, you are. It's okay. Came, all, no is a rite of passage. Oh, yeah. Very true. I love that. <laughs> it gave me um, the more no's that I got, the more determined I was to persistently try and get them again. <laughs> like it was just one of those things, which one, one piece of advice that I give people when they ask me, like, what, what do I do when I'm starting a podcast? And I said to them, you got to be persistent to remain consistent at the things that you want. And if you're not persistent, then you won't be consistent and then you won't get anywhere because <laughs> right. consistency is the flow on effect of being persistent. Yeah. And it's the same thing with fear. Like if you want to get rid of the fear, you got to persistently tell yourself that it's okay to face it and to move forward with courage. Um, Absolutely. Which leads me to a question speaking about fear, actually. What are some fears currently that you have, Lovey, that you need to still face? Are there any? Uh, I mean, a constant fear of failure is real. I think everybody has a constant fear of failure where you don't ever want to face plant, especially not publicly or in front of rooms of people you know and love and respect. Mm. I think it's fair to have that failure or fear, but it's also with the idea that there's some fails that you probably can't see coming. I think failure is also part of your process as a person in life. I think every time we fail, we rise from it better than we were. So even though failure is deeply painful, it is one of those things that's like, well, when it happens, what have we learned? And truly, have we failed if we actually rise from it better than we were? Then it wasn't a failure. I think the only real true failures are when we learn nothing, take away nothing, and it adds nothing to our lives. At which point, sure, that bad thing was a fail. But if something from it allowed you to now know something you did not know before, and operate in a way that it's better than you were operating before, yeah, I think you, you will win because of failure. You can win because of failure, and I'm a strong believer of it. So, yeah, but it still is one of my fears because, you know, perfectionist, type A, control freak. If you're all of those all things. yeah. <laughs> exactly, all the above. If you, if you are all of those things, anything that looks like failure is a fear of yours, mm -hmm. right? And we do everything we can to avoid it. But there are times when even our perfectionism won't let us avoid it because there is no perfectionism. There's no real perfection. Um, so it's an ongoing life's journey. And I think uh, the fear of failure is good to also kind of keep you trying to be your best person possible to try to mitigate that risk. Mm. I'm a perfectionist as well. And it's interesting yes. how we both strive for something that is not even achievable. Yes. This vicious cycle, isn't it? Like that we go down and it ends up hurting us even more. And yet we still do it. <laughs> we still do it. We still do it. It's an amazing phenomenon that I'm still on the quest to sort of figure out why I do it in the first place. <laughs> <But> <sighs> Good question. When you find it out, you let me know. 
I will. <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious about you mentioning fear of failure and, and not wanting to fail. In the past, what would you say has been your greatest failure? The D in chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> because I say this because I've wanted to be a doctor since I was four. Because I was like bookish, nerdish when I was little. People were like, oh my God, you're so smart. Um, you're going to be a doctor. And born and raised in Nigeria. Um, because immigrants, immigrants love telling their kids they're going to be doctors. It's also a family pressure. It's a cultural pressure. So I remember getting that D in chemistry. And I was a kid who had never gotten anything close to a D in my whole academic career. And I was also the kid who never tried hard to get A's. Like, I coasted through school. I don't ever remember elementary school, high school, no parts of it being difficult. And I just got amazing grades. Mm -hmm. Getting that D, even though I actually, like, I studied, I went to class. I try to show up. I actually put forth effort, which I was not used to. Getting that D was a humbling moment. One, it actually taught me that you don't just show up and you're just good at everything. That's not how this works. You've taken that for granted. Stop it. Two, it also made me pause. That failure was great because it was the first time I ever even asked myself if I really wanted to be a doctor. I realized I'd never even asked myself that question. It just felt like a foregone conclusion which in itself is a privilege to have, but not having felt that level of, oh, you did something completely wrong, allowed me to recalibrate. Like, usually I'm also not a quitter. I quit pre-med very quickly when I got that D. Because <laughs> you know how oftentimes they tell us not to quit? Yeah. Actually, sometimes you should quit. Mm. Certain things are not for you. You should quit. And typically, I would be the person who drills in and says, you know what? No, I can do this. I could prove something different to myself. I should, take, I should keep going and take it again, try to get an A. I quickly recognized in that moment that the path was not for me. And I think it changed like the, the way my life went. It shifted everything. I think now, like, if I was still insisting on being a doctor at that moment, which a lot of people end up doing, right? Things that they hate, but they are like, well, I've gone too far now, so I'm gonna keep it going. Would I be happy? Would I, be, would I consider myself successful using my own definition of living life on my own terms and waking up and doing exactly what I feel like doing? Mm. So yeah, I feel like that was my greatest failure. Mm. But that greatest failure led me to my greatest path. Mm. So it wasn't really a failure. No, no, there's no such thing as failure, is there? Yeah, we class it as failure. Yeah. And that's why I sort of asked you greatest because greatness oftentimes is through failure. Yes. What we perceive to be such a bad thing. Yeah. It's an amazing thing because I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't have a failure either. So yeah. it's amazing how life sort of takes us where we need to be. It may not always take us where we want to be. Right. Exactly where we need to be at the right time, the right moment. And it's just an incredible thing. Huge phenomenon. <laughs> it is. It is. Life will trick you. 
It will. I, I like how you meant, uh, you mentioned, um, I like how you mentioned, uh, I'm blanking on it actually, but it was, I'm blanking on it. I'll come back to it if I remember. Okay. But what I want to ask you is who has made the biggest impact in your life, whether it's mentally, physically, spiritually, or emotionally, and why? Ooh, that's a tough question. I don't know if any one person has been the greatest influence on me because I am a student of the world. Mm. I think I collect mentors. And it's not that I'm in formal mentor-mentee relationships with a lot of people. It's just that I find that there's a lot to learn from so many people's journeys, whether or not I've met them. Just on social, somebody will say something and I'm just like, oh my God, that's significant. Or if it's somebody who I'm a fan of their work and I'm consuming it, I'm probably learning something from it. Um, but in terms of some like easy, great influences, Oprah is a big one. Mm. because she was the first person who I saw was preaching the value of living an authentic life, which is a life that is free of pretense where you are honoring yourself by doing and being who you actually really are. And my career is one that I've been able to build being and doing and saying exactly what I want. Um, yeah, like I, and the reason why I even wrote Professional Troublemaker, the Fear Fighter Manual, because as a Black woman, as somebody who has built a career writing and using my voice to speak my truth, I felt it was important to write this book because I also wanted somebody who looked like me to pick up the book and say, oh my gosh. I also can be exactly who I am or somebody who is just different, walks in a room and feels different. Somebody who's marginalized can pick it up. Somebody who's ever felt like they've been too much or they've been, you know, somebody other than who they need to be. Why it was important for me to write this book was because I wanted that person to see themselves in it. So yeah, I would say Oprah is probably a major bit in modeling what it looks like to live life without betraying yourself. Mm. I like that. If someone was to pick up your book and you would recommend they start, not to start at the beginning, but they would open up the book and turn to one particular chapter that they mm. can get the most out of that book, which chapter would it be or which page would it be? You know what's funny? Chapter one. Mm -hmm. I say this because Chapter one is called Know Yourself. And I think it's important to start there because all through everything that we do in life, work and personal, knowing who we are on a real level is the key to staying stable no matter what life throws at us. There's going to be a lot. We're going to fail. We're going to, you know, be in rooms that make us uncomfortable. We're going to get a D in class. You know what I mean? Like we're going to disappoint somebody in the room when we say that thing that was hard. What becomes our anchor? I always want us to know who we are, know our core values, know what our life's mission statement is. Um, 
because that's what holds us steady. That is what keeps our feet on the ground as, as whatever is being thrown at us. So that is, I actually do think chapter one is where to start. Mm. It is, is where been, to start. What has been the, the worst piece of advice you've ever received from someone? Ooh, the worst piece of advice I have ever received. Oh man. I don't remember it because I probably trashed it in my head. <laughs> I, might, I might have repressed the memory because I don't remember the worst piece of advice I've ever been given. Yeah, I probably repressed it and was on some like, mm, that's not useful for me. Dump it. Yeah, I can't even tell you. Mm. <laughs> that's a good question. I wish I remembered. That's all right. Oh, you know what? The worst piece of advice probably would be be a doctor. <laughs> 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 if there was any bad piece of advice that must have been it but i don't remember anything else mm. i like it though because sometimes the worst piece of advice that we receive even though we may not realize it at the time can often be the best like even for me and the worst piece of advice that i ever got was don't waste your time on a dead duck and mm. what that means is basically don't waste your time on things that don't have value or he pretty much told me in, in the context of that response or that piece of advice, there was a unsellable property that he told me, don't waste your time on it. It's never going to sell. There are other properties out there that will sell. So spend your time on those. And I didn't give up. Like if I had given up, it probably would never have sold or mm. it probably would have taken further to actually sell. And I was excited to actually do it because I, I was a man of my word and I told them I will sell your property and I will work damn hard to do it. And if I hadn't given up, it probably wouldn't have sold when I was there. Um, because at the right time, at the right moment, a couple came through, I was able to sell them that, that property and ended up working out amazing. Um, and my boss actually thanked me for it later on too. So <laughs> Nice. Um, but yeah, it's those, those little moments in your life where people sort of say to you, and another worst piece of advice was you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to be somebody. Mm. Like those sort of things where you sort of like, well, I'll show you. I'm going to, you know, prove you wrong in many, in many ways. Um, but anyway, shifting it back to, to you, the last couple of questions that I do want to ask you because I want to be mindful of your time. Um, this is more of a fun question. What is the, the weirdest food combination you've ever tried? I'm a picky eater. Ooh. I'm not that adventurous when it comes to food. I love my ethnic foods, Nigerian food, Italian, Thai food. Yeah, I don't really try weird combinations. Mm. Yeah, I don't even have any, I don't even have any strong uh idea of a food that is you know what maybe snails are not considered weird though so that's not it i would consider that weird you would <laughs> yes um, I don't fried eat snails are bomb so uh, yes maybe that is the weirdest food that you can you you might hear from me but that is a nigerian de delicacy how about that i didn't know yeah. that well there you go what yeah. is what would you say then is your favorite food easy Jollof rice. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jollof rice. That's easy. That's without even having to think twice. 
<laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Um, my last question for you, lovey. This one is my all-time favorite question that I ask everyone at the end. So you've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have decided to put together a film for you of everything that you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? <laughs> I love that question. Oof. What do I want this film to say and show about my life? First, that my life was full of joy, full of love, and that because I existed, people's lives were better for it. Yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah. I like it. Well, love you. Yep. I've really enjoyed this conversation with you. Where can people find you, pick up your latest book, connect with yes. you and learn more about you? I can be found all over the interwebs. I am at lovey everywhere. L-U-V-V-I-E. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm really active on Instagram, especially. I have a good time there. Um, I have my own social network called Love Nation. That is a safe space in a dumpster fire world. And I think people can retreat there whenever the rest of the internet stresses them out. I'm always hanging in Love Nation also. Um, my blog, awesomelylovey.com, is where I write regularly about what's happening in the world. Um, and then my book, Professional Troublemaker, the Fear Fighter Manual, it is now available for pre-order everywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Target, independent bookstores. So it comes out March 2nd, 2021. And it is my best piece of work yet. And it is something that I am proud will be attached to my legacy. I'll make sure that all that is in the show notes below. Lovey, thank you so much for your time, for your energy, your humor, and for your story and for coming on the Storybox podcast. Really do appreciate you. Jay, thank you for having me. This is so cool. I was like, yes, absolutely. Let's do it. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guests today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then.